Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. stumble in here by chance and for some of you you might have been hanging around here for a very long time and you think i'm just putting my time in until it's my time to move on down the road listen you're not here by chance you're here by design and god has a purpose for us to come together and purpose to live life and there is a shift that's coming and is here and we're purposing to take it to the next level and so Forgive me if I talk a little bit gruff this morning, if you will. I don't do it for the sake of being insensitive or just being hard. But I'm telling you what, God really wants to arrest our attention and say, it's time to live life. It's time not to just let life happen. It's time to make it happen. And God does not let me or allow me to live life with excuses. Does you? He doesn't. God will never get down in the mully grubs with you. Roll around in the mud and say, oh, poor thing, you. Even though we would like him to, he's not going to do that. He's going to look at us and say, well, I know that happened. Now it's time to stop that boo-hooing, and it's time to get washed up and cleaned up, and let's start moving. Let's start living, right? And God is going to say the same thing to you and I. And the funny thing is, is that every time that we look at a story in the Bible, we always see ordinary people going through ordinary things of life, troubles of life. And God seems to always use the the ordinary person that goes through life to do extraordinary things. I said God always uses ordinary people that have troubles and stuff and stuff in the closet like anybody else, but he uses them to do ordinary or extraordinary things. And if we're going to live this life, I want to make a mark in this world and I want it to be extraordinary. Come on, I want it to be extra ordinary, not just ordinary. And that's the kind of God in which we serve. And so we said this last week, if you remember, concerning just how we end up living life. We said that many times we live life under this notion of determinism. And determinism is simply this, uh, uh, this thing that causes us to lose hope. It causes us to lose our drive. It causes us just to simply settle. And it causes us just to be stagnant in life. Now let me say that a little bit slower. Because determinism, and I'm going to define it for you in just a minute, but determinism causes us as people to lose hope. It causes us to lose our drive. It causes us to settle. And it causes us to be stagnant as individuals. So that means that life simply becomes a life that no longer sees or dreams or has expectations. It's a life that no longer has a push to live life, but we just simply exist. We get into a place where we settle and we say, this is as good as it gets. Therefore, I won't expect anything more. And therefore, I can't and I will not be disappointed. And then it therefore leads to us being stagnant. And stagnation is really a place of stillness that really produces death. Now, doesn't that describe a lot of people today? And you might feel that like that describes you. 
And sometimes we get in that funk of life. But God is here this morning to say, it's time to put the big boy pants on. It's time to take life by the gruff of the neck and say, let's live life. Let's stop letting life happen. Let's purpose to choose what life is going to look like. So what is determinism? What is it going to tell us? Again, I told you that God doesn't let me live with excuses. And this is something that God has really been stirring in my heart for about the last week and a half. And he said, live each day as though it's your last. And man, that really just rocked my world when God began to talk to me like that. Because that means that there is no idleness about our day. If today was my last day of living, what would I do? Would I live it to the full or would I go sit and watch TV all day long? Right? Now, my sinuses have been bothering me a little bit. And you know sometimes when your sinuses bother, you just get kind of sluggish. And so yesterday, I just laid around and slept all day. And at the end of the day, that phrase that God said to me, live life as though it was your last, I started to think, man, I I just laid around all day long and I did absolutely nothing with my kids today. And now I'm kissing them goodnight and they're going to bed. I really did not live life to the full. Now, God doesn't want us to get into condemnation about different things, but I'm purposing to challenge you. Will you purpose to live life like it's your last with your spouse Will you allow the little things of life to derail you? Or will you live life as though it's your last? Will you, will you live life with your kids as though they're just simply a byproduct that is an irritation to your life? Or will you live life to where you invest and pour into them that therefore you're going to put everything that you are, every dream, ambition, desire that you have for them and help them live it to the fullest? That's my heart and that's God's heart for us as a people. But here's that definition of determinism. Determinism is the doctrine that all events, including human activity, are ultimately determined by causes external to the will. Meaning, you might have some desires or have a will on the inside of you, but there are things that happen around your your culture, your upbringing, your family, the, 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 the things you're exposed to, that begin to supersede the will and the desires that you have on the inside. It goes on to say this, that even some philosophers have taken determinism to imply that individual human beings have no free will. Now, that's a really strong statement. But as you begin to examine that and really ponder that, it's somewhat true. I said it's somewhat true, meaning you might have some desires and wills on the inside, have some dreams and ambitions, but there's a whole lot of external influence that has a way of crushing every desire, dream, and hope that you have, right? But with that being said, we can begin to look at how that works. I said it's almost true to say that we don't even have the ability to have a choice in the matter. So let's look at it from this perspective. You have man A, and he's from a dysfunctional family. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you are from a dysfunctional family. We all are, right? Every single one of us are from a family that has some kind of dysfunction. So, man A, that is dysfunctional, meets this pretty young thing, Miss B. (laughs) He's really dysfunctional too, (laughs) 
They fall in love. So you got dysfunctional man, dysfunctional woman. They get together and they produce baby C. Now, what do you think baby C is going to be? <laughs> you would by default saying you got dysfunctional dad, dysfunctional mom. Therefore, baby C is going to be dysfunctional as well. That's what determinism would say. But the Bible says that we are fearfully, wonderfully made in the image of God. And if you remember last week we said this, that if we're, there's some areas in our life that we don't like, then find the natural or basic principle or the natural law that would change the thing that we desire and apply it to our lives. And we said every natural law or principle is founded in God. So... You've got dysfunctional man A, dysfunctional woman B. And God said that the principle, the natural law of producing baby C is perfect in God. Now listen, even if it's from a perspective of rape, it's unfortunate. But the principle of how baby came along is perfect in its form. It can be twisted and it can be made wicked. But the natural law found in God is perfect. So regardless of whether man A and woman B are dysfunctional, that baby is made perfect and fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And therefore that baby, despite the dysfunction that it was born into, it can become somebody and God put greatness on the inside of that little baby. And they can become somebody. And they can do great things. But once again, determinism tells us that because of the influences that start to mold and start to shape and start to influence that little baby. That little baby becomes a byproduct. Regardless of what the intent is, that baby becomes a byproduct of the environment. Are you tracking with me? So let me just share this with you. If we have found ourselves being affected by determinism and we're looking at our lives and saying... What do I desire? What do I want out of life? Most of us would say that there is a lid in our life. And determinism creates that lid to say, this is as far as you can go. This is all that you can ever be. This is all that you can ever hope to experience. Right? So this lid, thinking of yourself... Every single one of us, the way that you were created in the determinisms in your life have caused you and has determined your motivation. It's determined your work ethic. It's determined your hobbies and your habits. It's determined your goals. It's even determined your thought and your mindset. Now, let me define that concerning your mentality. Determinism, how you were raised, how you were developed, determines your mentality. What is that defined as? Your way of thinking, your mindset, your cast of mind, your frame of mind, your turn of mind, your psychology, your mental attitude, your outlook, your disposition, your makeup, your intellect, your intellectual capability, 
your intelligence, your IQ, your power of reasoning, your rationality, and your common sense. Did you ever find that common sense is not too common anymore nowadays? Why? Because how we view things, how we think, our intelligence, there is a determination or a determiner, if you, or a determinism that begins to shape the way you think. Have you ever found yourself saying something or thinking a certain way and saying, that was dad? Come on, am I the only one? I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, man, that was dad. Or that was mom. Well, I said that just like her, right? Because of determinisms. You might even look at somebody that is simple-minded. And because of their simpleness, if you will, they oftentimes will revert to violence. They'll revert to verbal abuse. Why? Because it's our most primal instinct, if you will. If I can't reason with you, then doggone it, I'm going to beat it into you one way or another, right? <laughs> yeah, all the moms and dads says, yeah, that's right, praise the Lord. <laughs> so once again, we can see that we can begin to digress, if you will, because of just the determinisms that we have experienced in life. How you view money, how you handle money, how you view people with money is all a part of the determinisms or how you grew up and the influences that you've had in your life. But it doesn't have to be what shapes and makes us who we are today. Amen? Now, once again, let me give you just an example. There's a a family that we have become very close with over the years. And the mother and the father, their their children now today are uh, almost 30 years old. There's the son that is the oldest, and then there's the daughter. But the mom and the dad of those two siblings are not necessarily educated people. They're very hardworking, but they're not real educated. Now, for the son, they continued to make excuses for the son. They were very easy on him. They didn't push him. They babied and coddled him. If he got himself into trouble, they always got him out of trouble. And they never pushed him, and they never purposed to hold him accountable. The daughter, on the other hand, they pushed her. They drove her. They talked to her as though you are going to be somebody and you are going to amount to something and you are going to college. Today, those two children, the oldest, the son that was coddled by mom and dad, really kind of lives the life of being a loser. He's not really driven. He doesn't have any goals. He bounces from here to here, lives with this girl, lives with that girl. Then if the girl kicks him out, then he goes, lives with friends. If that don't work, then he goes back living with mom and dad, whatever. He just really has no drive, no ambition. The girl, on the other hand, she graduated just a few years back with her master's degree. She's very successful, very driven. And there's an extreme contrast of the children based upon the determinisms made within the home. You know, one thing that is not part of their DNA, a heart to serve God. The mother went to Bible college, but fell away from God. Her children don't know God now. If they were to die, they'd go to hell. 
The other thing that's the distinction between the two, even though they were born in the same house, even though the son is really kind of down here in a lower social level and the sister is at a higher social level and more successful, there is a common denominator between the two of them, even though there's such a vast difference. And that is, as they come back to the common denominator of having poverty mentality. Why? Because of the house that they were raised in. Even though the one can be very successful, she's very impoverished in her thinking. Are you tracking with me? Once again, I'm laying the foundation to help us see that there are things that are putting pressure on each of us to determine what life might be. But you can choose to determine what it will be. As I'm talking about this and I said there is a lid that each of us have, you may not even realize that there's a lid in your life. But if you've ever made excuses for where you're at, if you've ever blamed somebody or something for where you're at or the conditions of your life, there's a lid. Because at the end of the day, mom and dad can't make you do anything in your adult years. It comes to you as a person, an individual that say, I will choose to make a difference. I will choose to make the choice. As we said in regards to, to this lid that's in our life, this lid causes us to be hopeless. It causes us to lose our drive. It causes us to settle. And it just causes us to be stagnant in our life. How do we raise the lid? This is where the rub comes in. Because God's not going to do it for you. And that's where so many people get frustrated and they feel like God has let them down and they end up actually blaming God because they're saying, God, you do something about it. And he says, I've empowered you to do something about it. I'll cooperate with you, but I'm not going to make it easy or I'm not going to do it for you. When do we purpose to make some shifts in our lives? We don't change until the hurt is great enough that we have to or that we educate ourselves to where we know we can or we know that we have the ability to or that the reward is great enough that we want to. I'll say that again. We will stay in the status quo of life allowing the determinisms of our life, of our culture, of our family, of our upbringing to allow us to still remain who we are until the pain gets great enough that we have to or we educate ourselves that we know we can or the reward is great enough that we want to. And God is wanting you to know that there is something worth fighting for. Now, to put it into a practical terms, if you will, looking at the Word of God, in Genesis chapter 37, begins to tell us the story of, of Joseph. And so many of us can begin to sit down, feel sorry for ourselves, and say, you just don't know. Pastor, that's all great. You just didn't, don't know the, the, the stuff that I went through, the things that I faced, the horrors that I went through, my mom and my dad and all the other stuff. But listen, every single story in the Bible deals with somebody that had to overcome great obstacles. Joseph was one of those very individuals. At the age of 17, he was his father's favorite. And his brothers knew it. Anybody know what that's like? <laughs> Joseph was the favorite. All the brothers knew it, and they hated him for it. I said they hated him for it. 
They hated him so much so that the Bible says that they plotted to kill him. Can you imagine the animosity, the, just the tension in the home that there's this young boy that's favored by the father and all your older siblings want to kill you? And then the one brother, he says, you know what, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit and think about what we're going to do. And then they said, well, you know what, why don't we sell him into slavery? Why don't we make some money and why don't we just tell dad that he got ate up by a wild beast or something? And that's exactly what they did. Now, Jacob was the father. Now, we look at that story and say, wasn't those brothers, weren't they just horrific? I'm convinced that if Jacob was to go onto the Dr. Phil program today, Dr. Phil would say, Jacob, what is your deal, son? What, what's your problem? You've got all this hatred and animosity in your home. There must be some major dysfunction in your home, Jacob. I think I need to send you to some therapy, get some counseling, because you are doing something majorly wrong that has created all this animosity within your home that your sons are hating your son so much so that they want to kill him. And then, in essence, they end up selling him into slavery. Are you hearing me this morning? There had to be some major dysfunction in that home, even though God had a call on Jacob's life. And the, the thing about it, he naively, he, he naively would talk to his brothers about that. God's called me. He's called me to do great things. And that just stirred up their hatred even more. Have you ever had that experience before? Where you just naively talk to somebody about what God's put on your heart. And they look at you like, who the heck do you think you are? It might be family. Oh, you're just stupid. You're one of those wild fanatics, whatever. Right? You could be a rock star. And you're playing in a church band. Right? Nevertheless, there's always something that is there. So they sold him into slavery. He goes into slavery. His master is Potiphar. He begins to find favor with Potiphar. He begins to increase in the favor of God because of the plan and the purpose of God. And then Potiphar, he ends up having a wife that's a little bit loose. And she says, man, I like Joseph. He's good looking. And she continually tries to entice him to have an affair. Come on, facing the temptation. I mean, this is a, a political figure. She probably was a good-looking woman, and he's got like, man, get off me, woman. Stop it. <laughs> now, some of you may have faced those scenarios or situations in your life where, where you have been tempted, or maybe there has even been sexual abuse in your life to where it's been something beyond your control, but nevertheless, God wants to lift you out of that and say, it doesn't have to determine your life. It doesn't have to define you. But as a result of him finally saying no to the temptation, she said, hey, he tried to rape me. Potiphar had no choice but to put him in prison. He went into prison. And as he's there in prison, he begins to find favor. He tells dreams to the butler and the baker. And the baker goes and gets free. And, and he says, hey, remember me. And in the midst of saying, remember me, they forgot all about him. And so he stays there for a length of time. Finally, they tell the king about this man in prison that told or interpreted their dreams and he eventually went before the king and interpreted the king's dreams. It was the plan of God. As he did so, the king said, I will restore you or I will put you in charge of all that I have. So, because of the plan of God, Joseph rose to be the governor, finding great favor. It was 13 years from the first initial Deception, if you will, from his family. 
And he's sitting on the throne, being the governor. The Bible says that there was a great famine that came. And all of the land started coming to him, the governor. Say, we need help. And one day, his very own brothers are standing in front of him. Saying, we need help. They didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. The Bible says that he had to excuse himself because of caught up in the emotions. I don't know about you, but I think there would be a lot of different thoughts that would run through my head. You put me in a pit. You talked about killing me. You sold me into slavery. I went to jail for a number of years, and you're standing in front of me to ask for help. There were some determinisms that could have caused him to choose a different outcome for them. But the Bible says he actually restored his family. Once again, all of us have went through things in our life, some horrific, some pretty extreme, some not so bad. But nevertheless, God does not want that to define us or allow ourselves to be caught up in the emotions to keep us idle and stagnant in life. He wants us to come out. Can you say amen? Amen. As we begin to look at Joseph, the Bible tells us that Joseph was actually a type of Christ. What that means is that he was a forerunner to Jesus that was coming, and his life would model what Jesus was coming to do. As we see the story of Joseph representing and actually sharing a model of who Jesus would become to be, he was loved by his father. He was rejected by his brothers. Again, as I list this as the life of Joseph, see the parallel of Jesus. He was loved by his father, rejected by his brothers, turned to the Gentiles, unjustly tried. He suffered. He exalted with glory and honor. He married the Gentile bride. He returned his family and was accepted. And he delivered his people from death. You may say, where is there ever going to be a happy ending with my story? You don't know what I've went through. Maybe not, but God does. And God wants to use you to lead people to Jesus. He wants to use you to lift people up out of their pit and be able to be restored. There's a determinism that each and every single one of us face in our lives that says this is who you should be. This is what you must be. Even though there is natural determinations or determinisms, if you will, there is a supernatural determinism. As I said, the natural law or principle of a man and a woman coming together produces offspring. It is perfect. It is divine. And in that offspring is the DNA of greatness. Now, you may be saying, I don't know that I have the strength to change anything in my life. I am so hurt. I'm so beat down. I am so low. The greatest thing that might even bring you joy is the thought of just checking out. Just being able to shut your eyes and just go to sleep and never wake up. That might be where you're at. You may say, I don't have it in me. To change a thing. But I want to encourage you. 
that you do. If you're here this morning and you've ever received Christ, if you are a Christian and a follower of Jesus, you have it within you. You may say, how is that? Because the Bible says over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, lest any man should boast. What is faith? Faith is knowledge. So in order for you to have faith to call on Jesus, you had to hear about something that was better than where you're at right now. I'm going to hell, and I don't want the, the reward of hell. I want the reward of heaven. You were educated to the point where you say, I don't want to live this life. I want to live a better life. You may have said, you know what? I've been hurting so much in this life. I want Jesus. And you called on the name of Jesus. And upon asking Jesus into your heart, he came and filled and flooded your life. And that one decision changed eternity. The power of that one decision changed your eternity. You were going to hell, but now you're going to heaven. The greatest decision, the power of choice was made in that one thing. And if you can change your eternity, you can change this natural life by the power of God on the inside of you. You say, how is that? Because in 2 John or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all has become brand new. So if you're a believer this morning, the past is erased. There may be the residue that lingers. There may be the fragrance that still is present. There might be the subtle reminders of faces and people that you have no choice but to see. But the Bible says that the past is gone. And in Christ, it's a brand new start. He even goes on to say that you are brand new. That the you that was does not even exist anymore. If there was ever a determinism to set the course of your life, it is now that Jesus is the Lord of your life. The blood of Jesus was shed to wash it away. And now you stand with a choice of whether you'll linger in the past, remind yourself of what happened, or if you'll choose to make this a new day. Let's stand together. Friend, I don't know where you're at today in your relationship with God. The worship team is coming, just never mind them. They're just getting ready to lead us in worship. But I, I just want to talk to you right now. For those of you that maybe you've never received Christ into your life, maybe you're that person that you said, you know, I've walked away from God, I've lived my own life, and I've done my own thing, and it, I'm not liking the outcome. I'm not liking the results. Today, you can make the turn. You can make the shift. You can allow today's decision be, to become the determinism for the rest of your life every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning and you never have received Jesus as your Lord 
If you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins and remove your past, I want to give you that invitation in just a minute. If you're here and you feel like you've just been playing the fence, you've just been playing church, you might show up from time to time. But if you used to say, I'm not really sure, I think I'd go to heaven because they told me I would, or I I think I prayed the prayer at one time, I want you to know for certain today, friend, and allow the freedom of what Jesus did to set you free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you by calling you up front, calling you by name. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, I want today to be the the beginning of the rest of my life. I want to receive Christ or I want to recommit my life to Christ. Would you just raise your hand? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down once you put it up. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. I want us to pray this prayer together. As a church family. Because we can't do life independently without our family. So repeat this with me. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus. To pay the price for my sin. He hung on the cross for me he died and went to hell for me but he rose from the grave conquered death hell and I believe and I receive that forgiveness Jesus come into my heart be my savior and be my Lord right now in Jesus name and everyone said amen Now, everybody looking at me, I want us to say this out loud. Because here's the thing. You've gotten so good at rehearsing the conversation as though somebody was listening that you've gotten very good at thinking and saying what has been. But let's purpose right now to say what is. So say this with me. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Today is brand new. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, I'm in right standing. Today's a new day. A clean slate. I'm free to live the life that I choose, that I want, that God said, it's mine. I receive it in Jesus' name. Ha, ha, ha. I'm the devil. You're a liar. I'm free. In Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Now, I lost you on that last part. You need to do that. Because the devil come knocking on your door. And rather than going ha, ha, you're going to go boo-hoo. But you're going to have to make the choice to say ha, ha, ha. No, no. Not today, Mr. Devil. I'm free. And I choose, and I say, and I determine, not you. Amen? Come on, are you ready to worship God one last time before we leave? Come on, let's lift our voices as though we're truly free today. Amen.
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.